Well, good morning, Trinity Church. Well, Todd didn't show up this morning, so they got me to do it. Now, Todd is teaching at a church called Southwest Church out in the desert. It's a UFCA church as well, and uh, so I'm up. Thanks to the worship team for leading us in worship. Also, thanks to our worship design team for kind of putting this together. Just really cool. And uh, they just do a fantastic job. Uh, my name is Hilke Hilkema. I am the student ministries pastor here at Trinity Church. And it's my privilege to share from God's word with you this morning. I've read that um, people will call, you know, the current times we live in, described as the age of anxiety. Our young adults have been described as the most anxious generation. You're welcome. <laughs> there are you know, huge segments of our population, both adults and, and children, uh, struggling with anxiety disorders. It's very common. Then we have what we call you know, political anxiety, just, just an uncertainty of the social and, and the political sphere, like, where is this all going? What's happening in North Korea, Iran? Like, who knows? These are just uncertain times that, that may cause us to be worried. Economic anxiety, just about an uncertain uh, future related maybe to, to the stock market and your portfolio. Are you going to be able to retire in X amount of years? Or you're even just your job security is downsizing in the future. Perhaps that's a concern. And there's like the everyday concerns about, oh, that's right, like you should probably rent, rent is due. The mortgage is due. The car breaks down. Maybe it's concerns or worries related to your health. Or maybe it's not your health, but concerns related to the health of someone you love and care about. Maybe it's just worry and anxiety related to school. And just the immense pressure to perform academically. So you can get into that college to perform as an athlete. So many studies have shown just how much pressure, how much anxiety, how much worry we live with. And this morning, we'll discover together that God has a better plan. God has a better plan than for you, than for me, to be bogged down with worries and anxieties. He wants to grow your confidence in God, in who he is, in his love for you. He wants more for your life than to worry. In fact, kind of the, the, the big arching idea that we'll see in our passage this morning, the takeaway, it's this, that trusting God with our worries frees us up to live lives of influence. That trusting God with our worries frees us up to live lives of influence, lives of mission, kingdom lives. Now before we dive into the passage, I want to take a quick time out. Because when we talk about worry and anxiety, that's a pretty broad spectrum, isn't it? 
Because you've got the everyday concerns, but then you also have anxiety disorders that are real. And then you've got stuff in the middle. And this morning, I want to tell you that, that God's word applies to you and your circumstance, no matter who you are, where you find yourself. Whether you're on this side of the spectrum or over here, God's word is true for you this morning. The application will simply look a little different. The truth applies, but how that filters through your life is going to be a little different. If you're on this side, kind of the everyday concerns, which are real, they cause worry. You're going to listen to God's word, and we're going to look at these principles that are going to jump out from the text. This is not Hilke's wisdom. This is God's wisdom. And through the Holy Spirit working in your life and heart, you're going to walk out of this room, and you're going to, you're going to live lives of influence. And you're going to allow those worries to be pushed to, to, to the background. For those of you over here on this side of the spectrum, you're going to apply the truth of God's word as you continue to work with a professional counselor that you've been seeing. Because hopefully this counselor knows and loves Jesus just like you do. And you're going to talk through what, what these truths, what these principles look like in your context. And it's going to take time to get there. But the truth of God's word is still true today for you. But God has brought someone around you, a tool, a resource, to help you continue to journey through, uh, through this challenge in your life. If you're somewhere over here, you need some help too. And God has brought friends into your life. So you're going to listen to God's word. You're going to see these principles that Jesus is going to teach us. And then you're going to say to a friend, I need help. Would you journey alongside of me and help me put these things into practice? Would you ask me about how I'm doing next week? So with that said, please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start reading verse 25, which is right where Todd left off last weekend. And this is, we find ourselves right in the middle of uh, probably Jesus' most well-known sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 25, we read these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Let's pause right there. The first point that Jesus, just right off the gate, makes in his, in his teaching is this, that worrying is unnecessary for a child of God. Worrying is unnecessary for a child of God. The first word we read is therefore. And when you see a therefore, you must ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? Glad you asked. Therefore is a connecting word, isn't it? It's connecting what taught, taught us, that's a tongue twister, um, last week he, he talked about um, 
our treasure. What do we treasure? Code four, what do we trust? What do we trust in? And this theme is going to continue now. Are we going to trust God with our worries? So then it's, uh, it says, do not worry. And that's a command. It's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. This is God's will for your life. And it talks about do not worry. It, it, it uses that, that same language about six times in our passage and three times as an imperative. This idea of worrying, it's obviously talking about this mental anxiety that, that our circumstances cause us. But it's also talking, it's got another nuance that really makes sense in a lot of the context of, of our treasure in heaven. Um, is this striving after, this, this, this pursuit, this, this ambition for more and more stuff. And Jesus says, don't worry. Here's the argument. Jesus says, if God has provided you with life, pretty impressive, will he not also provide you with food and drink? If God has provided you and created you with a body created in his image, don't you think he can throw some clothes on there? I think he can. So the argument is, if God is able to accomplish the greater, then certainly he'll be able to accomplish the lesser task. So if I, right now, um, were to bring out a little bench press set up, and um, we would put on, you know, the barbell thing. Is that what it's called? I don't work out. Um, and <clears throat> that's mean. I have feelings, too. And... We'd load it up with like 300 pounds, and miraculously, I would, yeah, I would lay down, um, and I would just you know, throw that up like five times with ease. 300 pounds, I'd just be, knock that out. Don't laugh. Um, but then I would do this. I would come around, and I'd, I'd take off a couple plates, I think that's what those are called, and then... I'd, you know, toss them on the ground, and only what would be left would be at 100 pounds for me to bench press. Again, miraculously, right? Um, but, and then I would, you know, lay down, and I, you think I could do the 100 pounds? Absolutely. You'd have no concern. You're like, I just saw you do 300 pounds. Of course you can do 100. Again, imaginary world here. It makes sense. So God, the same, same point that Jesus is making. Then why worry? It is unnecessary. And then he gives two examples. Verse 26. We encounter another imperative, another command. He says, look. And this idea of looking is is, is not visual, it's mental. It's this idea of think carefully. Give this careful thought because we all know that worry and anxiety is not something that lives on the shelf. It's not something that lives in your garage or in your car or in your closet, in your bedroom. Where does it live? It's in the mind. Worrying is a battle of the mind. So that's why Jesus says, look, consider closely. 
think rightly about me and the world I have created. You got to battle worry with truth. So he says, look, consider closely. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Worrying is unnecessary. But worrying is also unproductive. Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The obvious answer is no. Not only can you add a single hour to your life, it's pretty well known that worrying, anxiety, takes away our life, doesn't it? In a figurative sense, but also in a physical sense. We can literally worry ourselves sick. People live shorter lives when we're consumed with anxiety and worry, and God has a better plan, praise God. So then he gives two examples, and he says, look at the birds. Ever seen one of those birds just fall out of the sky midair? No. Your heavenly Father takes care of the birds. Are you not much more valuable than they? So I read that. I'm like, well, I'm not sure how much are birds worth. So I Googled. (laughs) All right. Anyone interested in purchasing a flamingo? Okay, these guys are here. All right. Here's how much you need to start saving for. A thousand bucks. By the way, I thought that was less than... I I was like, ah, that'd be more than that. A flamingo. I'm not sure how accurate this information is, by the way, but we'll just roll with it. Are you not much more valuable than a flamingo? What is it? Yes. All right. All right. That's good. A toucan. That's kind of a cool bird. Anyone want a toucan? Yes. I love it. Okay. Um, Toucan is going to set you back probably about $5,000. That's kind of steep, but are you not much more valuable than a toucan, people? Yes. How about a cockatoo? $16,000. Now, that is the black palm cockatoo, which obviously would, you know, garner more. Um, Or how about the blue mutation yellow-naped Amazon? I'm not even sure what I just said. But it's about 16,000 and up. But are you not more valuable than these birds? Yes. And Jesus wasn't even talking about cockatoos. He was talking about, like, lousy pigeons that just poop on your car. Right? He was talking about just useless birds. But in God's eyes, they're not useless. He takes care of them. But are you not much more valuable than they? Yes. Anyone shopping for a flamingo yet online? 
His second example is this. Look at the flowers in the field. We had all those rainstorms last year. And then I took my family on a little hike in the Crafton Hills. Remember seeing all those wildflowers? It was beautiful. If I were to take my family on a hike today, what do those hills look like? Pretty, pretty brown. Pretty brown, but they were spectacular. The colors were incredible. I mean, God put just, just such beauty, and it's all gone now. Those flowers are nowhere to be seen. Those flowers just, just popped up just effortlessly. They didn't spin and, 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 and store into barns. They didn't strive so hard. It just kind of happened. In the same way, God is saying, don't strive so hard. You're killing yourself. You're killing your family for a career. While instead, he desires that you live a life of influence. For some of us, we don't even have time to live a life of influence, don't we? We talked about margin a few, a few weeks back. Now, Jesus is not anti-work. It's very easy to go through Scripture and, 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 and notice how God's Word speaks very clearly about hard work. God's Word is not anti-ambition. But He is anti-work so hard you're killing your personal mission with those in your relational world. It's out of balance. Worrying is unnecessary. It's unproductive. In verse 31, let's read that. Um, so do not worry. It's another imperative. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Worrying is unfitting for a child of God. Worrying is unfitting for a child of God. Well, um, if you're a parent, you've probably you know, thrown some clothes on, on, your, on your kid, and then you go out, and then you kind of look at your kid, and you're like, oh, wow, he's really needs some new, he needs some new jeans, because they're a little short. In fact, yesterday we were um, getting our, Jody was getting our kids ready for the memorial service, and Jody put, put on his khakis, and they were way too short. And these guys will appreciate this, but Eliana responds, but, but that's how Isaac would have worn them, um, which is pretty awesome. And, but, you know, we made him you know, change his clothes and, and put on it, uh, some longer clothes, apparently, or a winter coat. You're like, oh, the, you know, we bought it. It was so big last year. I'm sure it will fit this year. And what happens? It's like, wow, what do we feed these kids? All of a sudden, you know, it's just not even close to a fit. Anxiety. Worries are a very poor fit for a child of God. Such a poor fit for a child of God. Because two times in this passage, Jesus grounds a lot of what he says in the idea that we have a heavenly father We have a heavenly father who needs that you need all these things. He is not unaware 
He is very aware. He's so he's he's aware of the birds, but especially you, because he's created you in his image. He loves you. He is so aware of all your needs. Imagine this, though. What if you didn't know Jesus? You would have zero confidence of God's provision because that's not a providence that would apply to you. Imagine you're not a Christ follower. You're on your own. Yet here, we two times he says, your heavenly father knows. Trust your heavenly father. He says, I, I, Jesus says, I get it. Like the pagans, people that don't follow me, they worry about these things, I, and they should. But you? No. Don't, don't worry about these things. Your confidence is in an infinite, wise, loving, all-powerful, all-loving God who knows that you need these things. Therefore, it's unfitting for a child of God, deeply loved, so well cared for, to worry like that. It's unnecessary. It's unproductive. It's unfitting. And worrying is unworthy of a child of God. Look at verse 33 with me. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is kind of where we've arrived. That when we trust, trusting God with our worries frees us up to live lives of influence. Do you see it? That, that worrying is, is not worth your, your investment of time and energy. We've all experienced this, I'm sure, that we just, we just drain ourselves of, of, of energy because of the worries that, that, that consume us. And God says, I have a better plan. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. And all those other things will be added to you as well. Spend all that energy investing in relationships in your relational world. Spend that energy seeking my kingdom, pursuing my mission. Seek my righteousness. And righteousness is simply a fancy church word for right living. And allow your life to reflect Jesus in you, and people will notice. And it will enable your mission to the people that that know you best around you. No, you're not perfect, and they get that. But I believe that if we engage in mission, if we engage our relational world and invest there, God is saying, I'll take care of the rest. 
And do you think if you invest your, your resources and your time in, in pursuing these relationships for the kingdom and you see God work in lives, bringing transformation, bringing salvation, will that grow your confidence in God? No doubt about it. Will that same confidence be with you when you encounter, you get that phone call from the doctor, you look at the bank statement and it's just not quite adding up? Absolutely. When we are on mission, our confidence grows and our worries subside. Now, I did not... um, want this sermon to, to sound like this. Like imagine you were teaching a sermon to alcoholics. And the sermon would go something like this. Alcoholism is unnecessary. It's unproductive, unfitting, and unworthy. You'd be like, all right, well, that was helpful. Great. You know, now what? Now, I'm not critiquing Jesus' sermon, which I, I hear that's not good to do. Um, and... And honestly, I mean, Jesus obviously gives us verse 33, you know, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He turns it around. But still, I, I want to leave you with um, just some handles to hold on to with whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Uh, handles of hope. You'll see them there in your notes. One of those handles, and I grab onto it, often, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I have to read it because I have it memorized in a different version. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is like awesome truth. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. But with prayer and supplication, which is more prayer, with thanksgiving, which is thankful prayer, make your request known to God. Bring it to God, whatever that is. And there's this beautiful exchange that happens. You give him your worry. He gives you what? Peace. Man, I run here often. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? Your heavenly father cares for you. And then when you feel so weak, when you feel so inadequate in in dealing with whatever is before you, you turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Love this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Think of the thing that is causing you the most anxiety right now. Think of the the situation or the relationship. Think of whatever it is that is causing you to worry today. And listen to these words. My grace is sufficient for you. Do you believe that? God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is amazing truth right here. 
when you feel weak, inadequate for the task, God says, good. Now allow me to do my thing. But then also remember verses like Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The Christian life is not for lone rangers. We're connected in community. Share your burdens. Carry your friends' burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I've got a, um, when Todd asks me to preach next, I'm going to have to be a lot more careful about accepting these opportunities. <laughs> um, because it's very interesting how God's timing works. It's been a very hard week. We announced last week of Isaac Yair's passing due to a tragic rock climbing accident, 20 years old. Just unbelievable loss and pain. I was scheduled to, to preach this Sunday. It wasn't because Todd didn't show up. But then Isaac died. Reached out to the family on, on Saturday and talked again on Sunday, and that's when they asked me to, 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 to do the memorial service, which happened yesterday. I felt very weak. What do I have to offer a family that has lost a son of 20 years old? And the answer is obvious. Nothing. I have nothing. This morning, in teaching God's word, what do I have to offer you? And the simple answer is, Nothing. We should be very weary of preachers who think they have something to offer you in and of themselves. So this, on, on, on Sunday, I was simply overwhelmed. I was also taking part in the Thanksgiving Eve service. We needed to make sure we were caring for our high school and college students. And I needed to care for this family. I was like, God, I can't do it. And he said, I know. I know. So I, I had to run to these verses and say, God, and I, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm anxious about this. I was anxious on Sunday night. I was honored to, to, to be able to be invited into this journey of grief. But man, that was hard. I said, God, I, I need you. And I made my request known to him. And I asked him for his peace. And he gave me peace.
I asked him for strength. And he gave me strength. The memorial service yesterday was incredibly hard to do, but I've never felt stronger. I felt so incredibly strong in the Lord. And it was a beautiful um, display of the grace of God working through so many people. This room was filled with, with 600 plus, a lot of young people. I was able to share the gospel. God did some amazing things this week. A very, very hard week. I also had a lot of people carrying my burden. Friends, praying, encouraging me. And it's funny how we, when we put God's word into practice, it works. It works. It was an unbelievable lesson for me to even experience firsthand this week. On a, on a deeply personal level. So that today I can, I, can, I can stand with confidence before you. Not in me, in myself. But in him. So I can share with confidence. Trust God with your worries. And he will free you up to live a life of influence in your relational world. Your worries are unnecessary, and yes, they are unproductive. God wants to continue to use you. They're unfitting, they're unworthy. So whether you're over here on the spectrum or on this side, your everyday concerns versus your, your, your anxiety disorder that you're just working through, God's word is true for all of us. Talk about applying God's truth with that trusted counselor who loves and follows Jesus. And it may take a little bit of time. Invite your close friends into those places in your life that, that cause you worry and concern and allow them to carry your burdens alongside of you, to journey with you. Listen to God's word and put it into practice. We're going to respond with a song um, affirming these truths that we just talked about. And the words of this song go like this, through the fire, you're my shield. Your protection never fails. No power can separate. I am safe. You are bigger than all my fears. God of love, God my love. You are bigger than all my dreams. God my hope, God my peace. Whatever will come my way through each day, I will say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Do you trust him? Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you that we can cry out to you, we can call out to you say, as our Heavenly Father who loves us, who cares for us. Lord, we know that you take care of the birds, but we are so much more valuable than a lousy bird, and, and so we know that you care for us. Lord, remind us of these truths often. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who, who are facing significant challenges in their life even today. Lord, I pray that you would flood their hearts with peace, that you would allow them to, to, to cast their anxieties upon you. Lord, I pray that as a community, um, we would bear one another's burdens well. Father, we ask you to work in us, Lord, to, to, um, to, to grow our confidence in you so that we can trust you, so that we can be freed up to live lives of influence for your kingdom, pursuing your righteousness. That's what we want. 